I'm Pentecostal from head to foot. But power is more than just gifts of the Spirit and anointings and and that flow of God, that miracle-working power. There is power to be. Listen to this. I want to talk about it just a minute before we get into the Word. There's power to be. Power to be comes before power to do. And you receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you will do these exploits and you will do this and you will do that. No, and you receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. In Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part. Everybody say power to be. The Holy Spirit comes within us to give us the ability, the supernatural ability, not just to do uh, mighty works in His name, amen, but to be what He's called us to be. Amen. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28, the knot at the end of the rope. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. That's power to become. And the fruit of the Spirit has taken back seat to the gifts of the Spirit. We all know that in charismatic world. Amen. People would rather fall out or get a word from the Lord than get the word of the Lord and become more like the Lord. Amen. And without our character being developed and the first first element of character development, the first fruit of the Spirit is love. It's love. And it's not just love in general, but specifically the God kind of love. Agape love in you and in me. The character, the fruit of the Spirit is the character and nature of Jesus. And without that essential character of Christ, all those gifts become sounding brass, tongues. Become a sounding brass and tinkling cymbal without love. Prophecies. Understanding all mysteries, getting revelations without the realization that we God wants us like His Son. The fivefold ministry is till we all come to the unity of the faith, to the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. And because of spiritual, I want to use a word for it, spiritual stagnation. It's not stagnation, it's stunted. Stunted spiritual growth. People got a gift of the Spirit. They didn't want to be like Jesus anymore. They wanted to be like that preacher that's getting that attention because when he preaches, all these things happen. So we need to redefine this. It's not just power to do initially. It's power to be. Power to be. And you shall be witness. That's why when they went down to, to, was it Antioch? They were first called Christian. Because they saw the nature and character of Christ within those believers. And it wasn't, they didn't hang that tag on themselves. The world looked at them and said, you know something? (laughs) They're like Jesus. They think like Him. They act like Him. They talk like Him. Hallelujah. And they were called Christians, which means Christ-like or like Christ. That's what's missing. Power to be before power to do. We had people in our church years ago, they were going to take the world for Jesus. They were going to be renowned evangelists. They had no no concern about becoming more like Jesus. They wanted to become more like Shirley Caesar. 
Shirley Caesar's a great lady. She's got a great singing anointed ministry. But you're called to be more like Jesus, not more like Shirley Caesar. Pride will make you want to be somebody for the Lord. Being more like Jesus. You know the thing about him? He said he made of himself, though he thought it not robbery, to be called equal with God. He was, in fact, God incarnate. But he made of himself no reputation. But humbled himself and took on himself the form of a servant. And became obedient even to the death of the cross. It's hard to find someone who's wanting to be seen and heard and spiritually significant that will humble themselves and become servant-hearted. And yet because he did that, it said, but God hath highly exalted him. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will what? Exalt you in due season. That's not when you think you're ready. It's when he knows you're ready. I don't know how Jesus could contain all of that that he had, but he waited. He didn't do a miracle. Oh, there's movies out that, you know, that I don't know. He made a fish fly or whatever. I don't know what he's, they think he might, he might have done some stuff. He didn't do nothing. The Bible said from the time he was 12 years old, if you want to stick with the Bible and the truth, from the time he was 12 years old until he was 30 years old, he, he, only thing he did at 12, he walked into the temple and he began to talk to those guys in there with the long beards and the gray hair. Guys like this guy, amen, that looked very wise and astute. And, and they had, they had a, a, you know, they, they had that look, that, that executive prophet look. And, and he talked with them and they marveled at this 12-year-old's wisdom. He explained things that they were still trying to figure out. And, and, and he's in there just having this discussion with them. And his dad and mom are worried, sick, they can't find him. And they come and find him in the temple. And listen, you're not supposed to open the book in the temple until you are 30 years of age. No one under 30 could touch it, let alone read from And he wasn't reading yet. He was just talking with those guys. And they were amazed at his wisdom and his knowledge. And they said, come on, Jesus. Time, come on, come on now. Come on. They had to get him out of the temple and say, let's go home. And you know what the Bible said? If you don't add to it and let it speak. And he went home and was subject to his parents. Until he was 30 years old, there's nothing in the Bible. But when he turned 30, he walked back into the temple. And he opened the book and began to read from the book of Isaiah where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he hath anointed me to set the captive free, to set at liberty those that are bruised, to open the eyes of the blind, and to declare the acceptable year of the Lord. And this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And he walked out of that temple, and for three years before he went to the cross, the Bible said if all the works that he did were contained, uh, were, were if everything he did was put into books, I suppose... Now, this is an exaggeration because he didn't know any other way to say it. I suppose the world couldn't contain him. 
That's, that, he did a lot of stuff. We got a very, very brief view of what he did. He did a lot of stuff in three anointed, appointed years of his ministry. Can you say, man? Because he was 100% led of the Holy Spirit and led by the Spirit of God. In the volume of the book it is written, I came to do thy will, O God. The works I do are not mine, but what I see my Father do. The words I speak are not mine, but what I hear my Father say. God hath highly, because he humbled himself. Amen. Uh, then, you see, without the humility, he would have never went to the cross. Without the humility, he would have never took on himself the form of a servant. You don't wear, you don't ride donkeys into town if you want to be a big shot and let everybody know what a spiritual force you are. Amen. That's not your choice. Conquering kings rode white horses or had golden chariots pulled by white horses. And when Jesus comes back, because he's a conquering king, hallelujah, he's not coming on a donkey. Can you say, man, he's coming on a white stallion, a white horse, and there's a name on his thigh that says, King of Kings. And why? Because he humbled himself, amen, even to the obedience of the cross, and took on himself the form of a servant. God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that is named of things in heaven and earth and beneath the earth, that at the sound of his name... Every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that He is Adonai. He is Lord to the glory of God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 The day of the strutting, prancing, proud preacher is over. God is looking for someone that will humble themselves under the mighty hand of God. That isn't preaching to get the applause of men. Amen. That is preaching for the favor of Almighty God. I don't know about you, but I don't have time to waste. I don't go to church on Sunday for someone to tell me what I want to hear. I want to hear what God has to say. And he that hath an ear, that attitude of heart, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Hallelujah. How do you know things that pass knowledge? How do you comprehend things that pass understanding? The Bible said there's a peace of God that passes all understanding. They'll keep your heart and your mind if you put your trust in Him. The Bible said you can know the love of God that passes knowledge. The Bible speaks of Jesus as the unspeakable gift. You cannot, there's no way that we can talk about it. We can theologically try to explain it. We can preach day and night about it. But until you personally encounter Christ and experience it, there's no way you will ever understand it. All you can do is just say, yes, I believe that. Amen. Yes. Have you seen the And thank you. Please say yes sometimes. It helps me preach. Let's me know somebody's listening. But have you ever seen the bobbleheads? You shake them a little bit. You know God loves you. Uh-huh. I said I wasn't going to get on the blondes no more. I'm going to keep my promise. You can talk to my wife or beat her up after the service. Amen. Whichever you choose. She said, blonde bobblehead, blonde bobbleheads go like this, it's just like that. 
I don't know where that came from, but anyway. She said it and I didn't. I, oh, Lord. That's why I'm pointing you to Jesus today. <laughs> Amen. Power to be before power to do. And if we become more like Jesus, it starts with humility. Making no reputation for ourselves. Not trying to promote ourselves. But just promoting Him. Glorifying Him. To God be the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's hard to find a servant heart. And humility, especially in someone who, who has achieved a mega church status and influence. One pastor of a church with about 8,000 went to visit a church with 20,000. And so, since he only had 8,000 coming to his church, he, he thought, well, you know, I'm not on the level. I want to see what this guy is doing that's got 20,000 people attending his church. And he said he and three other pastors that had been invited to, a, to a, a, some kind of convention at that church, pastor said, you ministers, and he picked the ones that had, you know, several thousand people because that you just don't mess with the rest of them. <laughs> you know, they're kind of beneath you, your time. And so he invited them to come to his office and have a meeting with him personally. And so said the four of them went in and sit down and said he was sitting at his desk, his big, beautiful mahogany desk or whatever, and he had his feet propped up on his desk and said he just reared back in his chair and said, what do you boys want to know? In other words, you know, what, can, what, what do you want to know about how to be where I am and achieve what I've achieved? And see, that's so far from the model that we were given in Scripture. Power to do is one thing. Power to be is something else. And before God wants us to emphasize that power to do, He wants the emphasis on power to be. You shall be witnesses. Being a witness is unto Him is not the power of the charismata or the gifts of the Spirit. Being witnesses unto Him is having the fruit of the Spirit fully developed in our hearts and lives. And the fruit of the Spirit, the product of the Holy Spirit, is, and the work of the Holy Spirit in the believer primarily is power to be more like Him and to become the fullness of the measure of the stature of Him. You will never achieve it in this world. Because if you think you've arrived, that's pride and that kills the rest of it. So Paul said, I haven't apprehended it yet. But that I might apprehend what he apprehended me to apprehend. Forgetting those things that are behind, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. Oh, listen, the high calling isn't heaven. That's not the high calling. The prize of the high calling is Christ. The highest calling in your life is to be like Him. It doesn't appear what we shall be, but we know this. This we know. Hallelujah. That when He comes, we're going to see Him as He is. But we shall be like Him. Paul said, that's what I'm after. Hallelujah. A body like His a body like His glorified body. A mind like His pure, sinless mind. A heart as pure as His sinless heart. Whoa! Just like Him. In every respect. Not divine, 
but in character just like him. Hallelujah. And, and, and this vile body, this corruptible, is going to put on incorruption. Hallelujah. And this mortal is going to put on immortality. Hallelujah. And you won't have to worry about repenting of sin. Satan's not going to be there to tempt you. Amen. And that, oh yeah, he's not going to, no, he's not going to be, the tempter won't be around anymore. And even if he could, and he's not, something's going to be so changed in you. This old flesh nature that dogs us down here ain't going to dog us up there. Glory be to God, because God's plan, God's purpose is that we be conformed in every respect to the image of His Son. Hallelujah. And that's power to be. Amen. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive dunamis, miracle, working, ability, and power. To do initially? No. Initially, to become. To become. To become. Secondarily is to do. To do. After you become, then God can trust you with power to do. How many preachers have had gifts of healing, gifts of miracles in their ministry? And how many of them have drifted into pride and lost the humility? When PTL started, they started in an abandoned furniture store. They had one black and white camera. And they put it on a, on a, on a desk that... Two people sat at and just talked about Jesus. And that started what became an empire. Became so obsessed with it growing until, according to Tammy Baker, PTL was Jim's mistress. Before he ever got sexually involved with someone, he was, he, this was his whole life was promoting his vision. And we always say, it's for God. It's always for the glory of God. There's a million dollar pipe organ in a church in South Florida. And they said when everybody was contributing to get the million dollar pipe organ so that they could play Beethoven and Bach on that big old monstrosity. Anybody remember Jay Burns Pizza? They had a pipe organ. I kind of liked it. It had bubbles. I just wondered if they had bubbles with this one. Something, you know, something entertaining but I guess when they hit the high C on that pipe organ it's supposed to be a spiritual experience but you know why I know it's not and God can't be glorified with the bigness of it and the cost of it is because heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool and he said where's the house where's the house Where's the house are you going to build to attract me or even contain me in any sense of the word? He said, but to whom will I look? Even Where will I look for an abiding place among men? He said, even to him that is of a humble, there it is again, and a contrite spirit that trembleth at my word. The apostle Paul said, I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. Can you imagine a confession like that today? In the proud, prancing preachers of this generation. Can you say, man? Amen. Can you imagine how they would hush you up and shush you up for admitting that I am weak, but he is strong? 
You know the reason that they were, he was able to say that? I, am, I was with you in weakness because he had went through things that convinced him that when he was weak in himself and trusted exclusively in the Lord, then was he made strong. Then God's sufficient grace sustained him. He said, I was with you in fear. Not, not that kind of debilitating fear, fear of the devil. No spirit of fear on Paul. He was a mighty minister of the gospel with the charismata and the gifts of the Spirit. But he had that wonderful fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. It's not a dread of God. Rightfully divided in the Word. Amen. When it says... When it talks about the fear of the Lord, particularly in the Old Covenant, it means deep reverence. Say it with me. Deep reverence with awe and affection. It's not something that makes you go like that. It's something that makes you bow and go like this. Amen. Hallelujah. Say it again. Deep reverence with awe. I mean, that we could come into the presence of the Creator of heaven and earth and all things that are in them. That's awesome, church. Hallelujah. But it's also with affection a God this great and, and a God this gracious to condescend to come down to us and take on flesh and take our place on the cross brings affection. How deep reverence with awe and affection. I like the way... When we started our ministry, uh, not long, the hippies began to come to Christ. And we had people from a coffeehouse ministry come to our church. And that we, we had trouble with Christians trying to run them back out the door before they could grow and get rooted and grounded in love. Because some of them had beards. And if you got a beard, you got something to hide. What you hiding behind that beard, brother? Amen. And, and you, you know how that was. And, 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 and they had long hair because that was the hippie style. But God was saving these guys. God was saving these gals. And they came. We even had a tapestry of Jesus with long hair at the Lord's Supper. And, 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 and we had to take it down off the wall. Because people said, you're going to encourage these long-haired hippies because Jesus is up here with long hair. So we had to take Jesus off the wall. Bring them in. Long hair, beards. I'm, I, Pat Boone's daughter married a guy that had just got saved out of that time period in that world. And he said, I'm so glad for the love that I felt when I got around Christians that, it, that they knew that God had some work to do on me. And I knew that God needed to do some work on me. But the one thing I knew, I had repented of my sin. I'd come to Christ as my Savior. And nobody tried to immediately get him to, to cut his hair uh, immediately. That came, but it wasn't immediate. He said, I knew something else. And glad he was under a teaching that got him rooted and built up in love. I knew God loved me. And see, when the heart begins to melt because of the love of God, God can then mold us into what He wants us to be. And He said, He said, I knew without a shadow of doubt that I was part of the body of Christ. He said, but at that time, I was the armpit of the body of Christ. He said, but God loved me. And because of His grace and because of gracious people that gave Him a space to grow before they jumped on Him. I went to a church that 
They were going to jump on you like flies on a flat-footed flugel horse. You never heard that one, did you? Okay. They'd get on you. They wanted to clean you up from the outside in. They didn't want God to clean you up from the inside out. And if you just... You remember, remember when Pentecostal hair? You weren't supposed to cut it because if you cut it, you, you know you were... And, and, and so the only thing to do with it was to put it up. Beehive. Beehive. Oh, my wife had a beehive. Se- several ladies of our church had a beehive. I'm going to tell you something about a beehive. You can you use a... That, remember the heavy hairspray? I mean that stuff that's just like glue and gunk on your hair. You, you get it into that and then you spray it with that spray. So it sits up there. You've got to sleep with that. And, and it itches. I see people with hairdos that they've paid $300 for. But they're worse than my dog. <laughs> they're walking through the store doing that. They're walking down the road doing that. And they're sitting in church doing that. Because it's just... And you've got to sleep. I remember my wife laying her head on the pillow trying to find a way to... Which way do you... You know, the beehive has to go somewhere. You remember when we were on television and everybody had the beehive? Everybody, a bunch of us had the beehive. Everybody had been to the beauty shop. It was sitting way up here. And we were spiritual. And if you want to come in, uh, when I first got saved, first thing they told us is how to wear your hair, how to, how to, do, how to do this, how to do that. I went to preach. I went to preach in, <laughs> in Merritt Island on a radio station. I'm in a radio station. We're holding a revival, another man and I, at a church in Merritt Island. So we're on a, a Pentecostal denominationally owned and run radio station in Merritt Island. <laughs> and I sat down. I went in since I'm in radio. I wore a shirt that was short sleeve. You could see my forearm. Ooh. <laughs> and I'm sitting there across getting ready for, you know, to count down and they're going to talk about the revival. And, and this guy was giving me allocades and he said, Pastor Venable is going to be with us today after this song. And they're, they're in revival at so-and-so church and said, you need to come out to the revival because he can really shuck the corn. I thought... <laughs> Shuck the corn. Okay, I, I guess that meant you preached pretty good. So I took it as a compliment. Amen. Well, while the song was playing, before I got on, he said, he said, uh, my overseer wouldn't let you speak if you had on a short sleeve shirt. I thought, well, I don't work for your overseer. I didn't say that. I was, you know, I don't say everything I think. <laughs> You don't either, do you? Don't look at me so sanctimonious. You don't either. He said, I was at a convention of our denomination. He said it was 95 in the shade. And he said, I did this. He showed me what he did. He said, I rolled up my sleeve twice. And... I unbuttoned 
my collar because it was so hot. I kept my tie on. But I unbuttoned my collar. And she said, my overseer walked by. I was, I, was, I was volunteering at the book stand. And he walked by and saw me. He said, you're a pastor, right? I said, yes, sir. I said, I want you to button that collar. I want you to roll down those sleeves and button those sleeves. Because you represent and told the denomination of the church. And I thought, you know, I thought we were supposed to represent beyond the denomination of the church. We're to represent Jesus Christ. And one of the ways is not being so full of pride about how holy we are. Be holy, but not proud of your holiness. Praise God. And, and so he was telling me, because I had on a short sleeve shirt, and, and so I did say this. I, could, you know, I held back most of it, but I said this. I said, well, sir... This is radio, right? This is radio. I said, sir, nobody's going to know if you don't tell. (laughs) Nobody's going to know that I'm wearing, in 95 degrees in the summer, a short sleeve shirt. Here, I was dressed nice. I did have on a tie, but I had on a short sleeve white shirt, and we were on radio. But when I came time to shuck the corn I had my my buttoned up you gotta let people have a space to grow in the Lord before you try to straighten them out that don't mean to compromise anything but just let people have the opportunity to grow before you try to make them like you because it's not like you they're supposed to be It's supposed to be like Him. And I want you to follow me as I follow Him. Can you say, man, glory to God. Well, having said that, listen to me carefully. We're getting close to closing. First is the power to be. Not the power to do. And that's the Pentecostal pitfall. Most of us got in this for the power to do. Not the power to be. Power to be is the fruit of the Spirit cultivated and coming into fullness in our life. Power to to do comes immediately. Even if the fruit is not developed, you you can get baptized in the Holy Ghost and speak in other tongues before the fruit of the Spirit is matured in your life. And what happens when that happens? 1 Corinthians, Paul's letter. Though I speak with the tongues, and he did say he spoke in tongues more than anybody else there. But he said, though I speak in tongues of men and angels and have not love, it's sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. What does sounding brass and tinkling cymbal do? He said, you know, as a matter of fact, these people were so self-exalting, there was no humility there. They were wanting to be known as spiritual somebodies. I said it before, I'll say it again. It's hard to find a humble servant of the Lord today. It's hard to find a plain old vanilla, and I'm not talking about color of skin, a plain old vanilla pastor. They're either prophets or apostles 
or bishops. Well, this is the hierarchy when you go, I, I don't want to hear that right now. I don't want to hear that right now. I believe a bishop puts his pants on the same way as an apostle. And I think a prophet puts his pants on in the morning the same way as just a plain old pastor. I think it's hard to be humble. When you see yourself as so high and exalted. But if we become more like Jesus. You know what Jesus did? He knew these guys were going to go out under the power of the Spirit. And the gifts of the Spirit were going to go with them. And he knew not only would people want to put them on a pedestal. But they would, want, they would begin to have the flesh want to exalt itself. You know what he did? He took a basin. He took a towel. And he came and he began to pull the sandals off of every one of his apostles. And he began to wash their feet. And he began to dry their feet with the towel. And when he got to Peter, Peter was so shocked that his Lord, his Master, the one he knew, amen, was not like any other prophet or any other man that had ever been anointed. There was something about Jesus. And he said, you shouldn't be washing my feet. I should. See, even in that attitude, you've got to watch out for pride. Amen. I'm going to, I should be the humble one washing your feet. I should be the one that, that is seen as such a servant. And Jesus said, if you don't let me do this unto you, you you have no part in me and peter got it and he said then not just my feet only hallelujah but my what my whole body my my head and my hair also if if the, if this if this is what it takes to really be what pleases you and amen then my then my whole being be washed go ahead and he was teaching them humility and the way to truly minister. And it's hard to find anyone with a basin and towel attitude today. It's what ruined many of the captains of our faith. That had miracle working ministries. But they themselves, whether it's A.A. A. Allen and his consumption of wine. Or Leroy Jenkins. And his big diamonds and his Elvis. David Terrell. What happened? Jack Coe. What happened? William Branham. What happened? Did they all stay true? Did they all... Live out their life and example. Did they all be pure in their doctrine or did they get exalted and go down that slippery slope of error? They all went down the slippery slope of error. Because when a man says, Behold, I stand. Better take heed lest he fall. A man who called himself an apostle, separated himself. I met him. He had a Bible. He could quote scripture. He called himself an apostle. Of course, he couldn't be anything less. I'm not, I'm not saying there shouldn't be apostles. Apostle means sent one. And the sent ones that were sent were sent by Christ himself. They didn't just get up and got up and went. 
Amen. Amen. If you want to be the praise of men, you can't follow Jesus. Come on. There's some pride. Pride will play possum and act humble. Amen. I just want to serve. Let everything be done to the edifying of the church. Then there's times you need to be very quiet and very still. So that the attention is not drawn from Christ to you. Amen. There's times when you need to hold that prophecy. I had a preacher call me. said, I went to a church and I'd never been to that church before. And God moved on me to stand up and give a prophecy. And I did. And it was a church that believed in that. Said I did. And said there was no response. It's like it never happened. Nobody cared. Nobody moved. And that person was highly upset and antagonized by that. And I said, well, do you really believe God was speaking through you? Absolutely. I felt Him move upon me. I said, and nobody listened? Nope. I said, then you delivered it, but nobody responded? Yep. I said, then forget about it. If he was really in it, it's not about you and how they respond to you. And if it was from God, then you never hear no more of it. There's the witness. I don't know how many people are going to receive this message today and act on it. But I know one thing. God's on me to give it. Hallelujah. Praise God. When I'm done giving it, I'm not going to. Thank you for that. I didn't have to have it, but it's okay. It helps me sometimes. I appreciate it, but I don't have to have it. Listen carefully. There's so much self-exaltation. There's so many people that did not develop in the fruit of the Spirit that immediately begin to move in the gifts of the Spirit. And then they become unteachable. I mean, what have I got to say to an apostle? He's over me. He can't sit down and listen to anything i got to say. What have I got to say to him? This guy said he was an apostle. He carried the title. He left his church, started his own church in his home. He just did his own thing. I'm not saying that's wrong under certain circumstances. I'm saying this guy presented himself as a Christian and as an apostle of Christ. He had title. People following him, people listening to his teaching. His wife wanted to go to church because she knew him. And she couldn't receive from him. So she wanted to go to her church so she could get something spiritual for her soul. He got mad because she went, not when he was holding his Sunday morning at home, but on Wednesday she went to her church to receive. And he got mad and he, in his anger, thought that maybe she and the pastor may have something going on. So he walked down to the church one Sunday morning in Lakeland, Florida. I met him. He was at a pastor's meeting, presented himself as a pastor and an apostle. He shot the pastor. He shot the assistant pastor. And what they found out, they took the gun away from him, arrested him, that he'd already killed his wife at home. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you something. All of this phony baloney needs to stop. And all of this pride and self-exaltation needs to stop. I know where I'm coming from today. I've seen pride, and pride will play possum. 
When pride wants its way and pride wants its say, pride is going to have its say. I was in a meeting. We had a wonderful meeting. It was a camp meeting. I was in a meeting years ago, and we had a speaker, and he was a soul man. That meant that he had souls on his mind and heart, and he preached a message, and people began to come down the aisle, and they, two or three would come, and then two or three more would come, and they were repenting of their sin. And a man stood up, and he started prophesying right in the middle of the altar call, and people were already coming. So the man was very gracious, and he said from the pulpit, he said, he said Sir, would you please hold that? Now, the, I'm going to tell you something about holding it. The Bible said the spirit is subject to the prophet. If you're not in control, you're out of control. Amen? If you're not in control, you're out of control. And somebody needs to have enough of God to know when it's in order and when it's out. And this guy did, and he did it nicely. All the guy had to do was be humble enough to say, you know, this must not be the right time. Because he's in charge of the meeting. People are coming to Christ. He's interrupting an altar call. When you want to be seen and heard, Holy Spirit isn't going to interrupt an altar call. Because souls are more important than somebody being seen and heard. So this guy got his back up. You could see it coming. He was mad because he didn't get to be seen and heard. And he said, The Bible says, Quench. Not the Spirit of God. And the minister said, I'm not quenching God's Spirit. I'm quenching yours. And there was authority with it. Deacons didn't have to take him and throw him out. The Holy Ghost shut him down. Can you say, man? I, 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 and I never forgot that because I came up in Pentecost and we, got, we had some free-for-alls that, that wasn't God. And it brought a reproach. Can you say, man? And people didn't learn one thing in the service. They didn't. And my people are destroyed, Hosea said. My people are destroyed. My people are destroyed. My people are destroyed. Not for a lack of enthusiasm, a lack of shouting and dancing, but for a lack of knowledge. Can you say, man? My people go into captivity for the very same reason, for a lack of knowledge. Hallelujah. Listen to me carefully. Paul said, when I come to you, we're not just going to try to stir you up. We're not just going to try to get you emotionally high for a little while. When I come to you, I want to impart to you some spiritual gift to this end that you might be established. I'm not going to stay here with you, but when I leave, I want you established in the faith and established in your walk with Christ so that you know Him personally. It's not preacher religion. It's not holding on to the preacher's coattail. It's meeting Jesus and following Jesus and knowing Jesus. Can you say amen for yourself? That word established means made at one with he wanted those Christians to be so linked to Christ, they become one with Him. Hallelujah. In the time of trouble, oh, it is Jesus. Yes, it is Jesus. It is Jesus down in my soul. For I have touched the hem of His garment, and I know I will be made whole. Oh, it is Jesus. Yes, it is Jesus. 
when Paul left, he, he left them with knowledge of how to come into the presence of God and apply the presence of God and to live in a lifestyle where Jesus becomes enough and sufficient for you. Hallelujah. His grace takes care of you. Hallelujah. You can talk to Him when you're going through a trial. You don't have to call Tulsa. It's okay to call Tulsa, but you can't just always depend on someone with faith praying for you. There's times when you need faith that God is going to hear your cry. Hallelujah. So I'm not impressed with a lot of things that other people get so excited about. It's not about you, darling. It's not about your gifts, your calling, your anointing. Let everything be done to the edifying of the body of Christ. And don't think that they got to have you. They just couldn't be edified without you. Who gave you that idea? God didn't give it to you. That's not a servant heart. That's you. So I told this minister that I really respected and looked up to that was so bent out of shape because people didn't, you know, give a big applause for her prophecy. I said, ma'am, you got to forget that. You delivered what God gave you to deliver. I went to a church. I wanted to be a pastor. I thought God called me to be a pastor. Then when I found out what pastoring was all about, I tried not to be a pastor. One reason I know God called me is because I didn't want to do it. But I did it out of obedience to the Lord. I had a job with Tampa Electric. I'm going to leave Tampa Electric. Listen, y'all use a lot of uh, energy from Tampa Electric. That's job security. Amen. Dog might not have dog food, but you're going to have your air conditioner on. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? You're going to run the air conditioner. So, so I tried not to be. But at first I thought I wanted to be. And I went to a church near Plant City, and their pastor was leaving. And they were having, having some speakers in because he just wasn't going to preach anymore until he was gone. He said, I've preached... I didn't know what was going on. I just know he called me up and said, Brother Venable, I hear that you're, you're called of God to minister and I checked on you by your pastor and whatever. And, and uh, would you come and speak for me Sunday night? I said, sure. Woo, hallelujah. Will I? Glory be to God. Amen. I wasn't that into the Bible yet. I thought Malachi was Malachi. And I, and I, thought, I thought Job was Job. And I thought... I thought the epistles were the wives of the apostles. I really didn't have a lot of theological understanding. But I had the Holy Ghost and I had a call on my life. And I thought, this could be it. I'm going to be highly impressive. I'm going to, I'm going to come and be highly impressive. And I got there and to be highly impressive. And I'd marked some highly impressive scriptures that I thought is going to show them how I can preach. And that's all pride and vanity. And you know what God does when that? He, he resists the proud. And I thought, I thought, I opened my Bible and everything I marked just, just looked like it got confused and garbled. And I thought, Lord, is this a devil trying to confuse me? And then I realized, no, it was God trying to humble me. <laughs> 
my message wasn't the message for that church, and I sure wasn't, didn't want to be the pastor of it after I found out the mess it was in. Anyway, and God didn't send me there to straighten it out either. Thank the Lord He sent me to y'all. <laughs> Amen. He didn't send me there to do that. Years ago, not all of you, but some of you. And so I got, I, I said, I said, where's the bathroom? Uh, they said, it's down the hall. And I was sitting up front, and they're still singing. I said, where's the bathroom? I don't, it's all gone. Everything I planned and rehearsed, I didn't get in front of a mirror or anything. But, you know, you just think, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to go there. And, well, wait till they hear this. Which really is another way of the flesh saying, wait till they get a load of me. Batman, right? The, wait till they get a, hold of, a load of me. Well, they, I, they didn't need a load of me. They needed Jesus in that place. So... So I went back. I went back to the bathroom. Come out of the bathroom. I saw a little room open. looked like a Sunday school room. I went in that Sunday school room. And, and I didn't turn on the light. But there was a street light right there. Some kind of light outside shining through the window. I got right up next to the window. And I started thumbing through the New Testament. And thought, Lord, I don't have anything. And I'm supposed to preach next. Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Show me what you want me to say. And I, I was looking and looking, nothing stood out. And suddenly, something jumped out of the page at me. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. No, that's, that's not the way you impress if you want to become somebody's pastor, is start immediately calling the audience hypocrites. But I thought there's nothing anointed. Besides, I don't know what to say about hypocrites. I don't know how to go there. So I got up. Then they called me. And I said, I just got to obey the Lord. Brother Spain called me. And I, in closing, Brother Spain called me from, from uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. He used to come and preach for us evangelists. He called me twice. Actually, three times. I got to call him back. And he, he, said, he said, I was sitting in my office, Brother Venable. And he said, I picked up a tape. I still got a cassette player. Amen. Tuscaloosa's a little behind everybody. But anyway, uh, he, said, he said, and I picked up a tape from 1993 from the Holy Church of God. And he said, you were preaching a message called, the called out to come out. And he said, you started the message by saying, I was sitting in my office listening. And as you started the message by saying, I can't preach what... I thought I was going to preach. God has changed my message. And he said, he said I thought if, if God's going to talk, I want to hear what He has to say. I know when preachers announce it and they're good at it and they're eloquent, but when, when the Spirit of the Lord begins to move, He said, I felt the anointing in my office. He said, Pastor Venable, the same anointing that was on you in 93 at the Holy Church of God was in my office and got on me. And I thought, hallelujah to God for the anointing. How only God can do that. It, it don't get musty, crusty, or rusty, or old if it's freshly coming from the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And he asked me to send him some more. He wants some more. He's an evangelist. He, you know, but he said, I, 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 I want you to send me something I can play in my car. And I thought, this is a preacher wanting a preacher to preach to him. That's very strange. Can you say, man? 
It's hard to find Christians that you can teach. After a few come tie my bow ties, they think they got it all. I speak in tongues. I had a vision. I had a dream. You should listen to me. When the sheep start telling the shepherd what to do, there's a real problem. And I say to all of those sheep, go become a shepherd. You know it all. Amen. Isn't that right? If you know it all, you should go out, rent a, rent a storefront, become a shepherd, shepherd some sheep. For heaven's sakes, don't bottle it up, share it with the world. But if you're in a church, if you're in a church, there's someone in charge. Can you say amen? And you need to let God lead you. Because unteachable people never grow because they never humble. They're too proud. So I got up and I said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And I, I preached that message with the unction of the Holy Spirit, with love in my heart, but with the power and authority that God's Word and God's anointing gives you. And when I got done with the message, nobody blinked. Nobody cried. I was talking about living that double life, that double-mindedness, that appearing to be one thing when it's really something else. And we need to just get down and get right before God and humble ourselves and repent. And repentance is not a message that's received, well-received. Especially by people that think they don't need it. Amen? So... Nobody responded. But you know something? I knew God gave me that message. And I knew I delivered that message with the best of my God-given ability. And I knew, thank God, I was going home. I'm going home. <laughs> I, I'm not going to stay here. I'm not the pastor. See, suddenly, being a pastor wasn't my passion. It was getting away from there. Because I thought if you bring Christians the Word of God, they're going to be receptive. They're going to be respectful. They're going to be surrendered and submissive. They're going to be teachable. But I found out that's not the case. There are many Christians who are growing old, but they never grew up. Can you say man? Pride is still unsuppressed. It's still ruling. It's still reigning. And it's the sin that made an angel into a devil. I will be like the Most High. I will sit upon the congregation of the north. Boastful. Tongues without character. Fruit of the Spirit. Sounding brass tinkling cymbal. Faith to remove a mountain. Prophets nothing. Because it will be moved for our glory and not for His. Amen? Wisdom to understand mysteries. Oh, how, how, how theologically inspired you are without love. See, everything is to be done for the building up of the body, not for the lifting up of oneself. Well, I delivered the message. and You know, I learned something real early. I learned a great lesson that night. My job is not to get an applause. It's not even to get a response. I want to be used of God and see people change. But it's not my job whether they change or not. If you don't change after hearing the truth under the anointing, that's between you and God. 
Amen. I've done my part. I am highly successful when I'm through delivering what God gave me. Hallelujah. So I went, I was going home happy. I thought, happy to go home. I'm glad I don't pastor this church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Must be full of hypocrites because you had me preach on it. So that's the last place I want to be. I'm serious. I'm serious. I thought, I can't wait to get out of here. What can I do here if everybody's playing church and play acting? Nobody's humble enough to repent and get right with God. What am I doing here? Well, you know what I was there for? I look back on it. A lot of times it's for a witness. It's just for a witness. It's not for everybody to respond to you, but that God, God said, listen, I won't do anything until I first reveal it to my prophets. I'm not going to do anything until I send them to tell you. You're not going to be able to say he didn't give me an opportunity or a space to repent. That opportunity was given. All preaching is not to get response. Some of it is just to be a witness. That's why the Bible said if you're rejected, shake the dust off your feet. Don't stand there and get mad because they didn't receive you like the apostles who wanted to call fire out of heaven. Can you just shake the dust off your feet? That means go right on down the road where somebody will receive. Don't stay there and stew in your juice. Can you say, man, because everybody didn't give you a hand clap. Hallelujah. This is God's business. This is God's church. This is God's sheep. Hallelujah. Let Him whoop them. You stay out of it. Chasing's ever son he loves. Let him whoop him. In fact, the Bible said, Who art thou that judges another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? Is that in the Bible? Somebody just say yes if it's in there. Who are you to judge somebody else's Servant, to his own master, he stands or falls. So we need to get out of the judging business and get in the witness stand where we belong. So I'm ready to go home. I walk out to my car. Pastor comes running out. I got the door open. He grabs me by the shoulder. He said, Preacher, He said, they'll never believe that you didn't call me and we didn't talk about all the troubles and problems we have in this church. He said, I'll never be able to convince them or you couldn't either. Because he said, what you preach tonight is exactly what's wrong and why I'm leaving. (laughs) And I said, okay. I thought it was over. I thought it was over. I thought it was over. It was done. I thought, well, irregardless, that's fine. I don't want to know about any more. God knows about it. It's God and them. It's not me. I'm out of the loop right here. I delivered the message. It's up to them what they do with it. It's so good to be an evangelist sometimes. I'm going home. See if there's any nanner pudding left. Can you say man? <laughs> Amen. The night is not totally wasted. I got home and ate whatever there was to eat. I went in the bedroom and the phone rung at 10.15. And there's a lady from that church. And how she got my number, I don't know to this day. But she had it. I guess she got it from a pastor. I don't know. My, probably my daddy Yeah, called his house and he said, oh, here's his number. Thank you, Dad. Thank you, Dad. So I got the call, Sean, at 10.15 at night. 
And there's a lady on there. And, and so I, I said, she said, you, you, you remember me? I said, no, ma'am. Who are you? She said, well, my name is so-and-so, and I sat on the third row where you preached tonight. I said, I, I'm trying to remember you. I'm trying to remember. She said, well, listen, i got something to tell you. I'm going to tell you real quick. I know it's late, but i got to tell you this. She said, listen, I know someone's been talking to you. And I, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. I can't wait to be a pastor. I just can't wait. I can't wait. She said, I know someone's been talking to you. She said, she said, listen. She said, I didn't come to the altar tonight. I know I, sh- I could have, and I know I should have. She said, it's no secret. I got a boyfriend. Now, she was in her 40s somewhere in there. She said, I got a boyfriend. She said, we've been intimate together for some time now, but we plan someday out in the future when he gets his job here and I get that there, we plan to be married one of these days, but, but we have been intimate with one another. And, and, and I know they told you about that, and I just want you to know that, that I intend to get right with God. I said, ma'am. I said, ma'am. Oh, stop, stop. Don't tell me anymore. Because as God is my witness, nobody told me nothing. I don't know who you are. And suddenly, click. (laughs) But I'm going to tell you something about the Holy Spirit. He knows. He knows the deep, dark recesses of our heart. And He knows the pride that keeps us out of altars. And He knows what keeps us from repentance. And He knows what makes us unteachable. And today it's very difficult to find someone who will humble themselves under the mighty hand of God. And say, Lord, this is for Your honor, for Your glory. I remember one preacher preaching in a feed store that had been renovated for church, something like we've done here. He said the highest number he had was 60. 60. The man that preached to the Indians never saw a conversion for the first 15 years of his ministry. But he was God's man giving God's message. And when it came, it came mightily, Sean. It came instantly. He just kept on being faithful. Not one conversion. for What's he doing wrong? He wasn't doing anything wrong. He was God's messenger to the Indian in that particular part of America. He said that four of them finally came to the Lord. Four of them. And he said so he served them communion the first Sunday after they had confessed Christ as Savior after all of those years. And while the others were standing around watching him serve and explain communion to those four, the Holy Ghost fell of them and they all came to Christ that Sunday morning and it started the mighty move of God among the American Indian glory be to God hallelujah because someone wasn't conscious of just numbers or conscious of how what people thought of his ministry but they just kept being faithful to the calling can you say man they were in it for him and not for themselves 
and not for vain glory. It could happen right here. We could have a Holy Ghost revival, amen, in spite of our size, in spite of the years. Because all through these years, there have been people here and there that have come to Christ. And there have been people that have been inspired to go on in Christ. And there's people like a minister in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, that's listening to tapes from 1993 and being inspired to hold his ground and hold the standard high. And a preacher in Indiana who was going to turn in his minister's license, who heard my testimony going through nervous exhaustion and said, if it's any consolation through your pain, I have been healed and I'm not going to turn in my credentials and I'm going to keep on preaching till Jesus comes. Can you say amen? That's what God does if we just be faithful to what we're called to do and what we're called to be. Now this part we can't go into because we've got to go home. Power to be. Then power to do. Because the fruit of the Spirit either qualifies or disqualifies the gifts of the Spirit. The gift of tongues without love is disqualified. The gift of faith without love is disqualified. The gift of, gift of knowledge to understand mysteries without love is disqualified. So in Pentecost, we skipped the fruit and the character. And we went straight to the power. And we had immature people that because they got a vision, a dream, or an unction from the Lord, got lifted up. And when they did, you couldn't teach them anything. They only wanted to be seen and heard. And they did it all in the name of obeying God. And God's not the author of confusion, but of peace. Amen? So I learned something. And I've never forgot it. And it keeps on being reiterated to this very day. We need in the Christian community more Christians who want to be more like Jesus. And amen. And more Christian leaders that want to be more like Jesus. And more prophets and apostles that want to be humble like Jesus was. Hallelujah. And the third that we can't go into today is knowledge. Spiritual understanding. Spiritual understanding. What you don't know, I'll leave you with this. What you don't know can not only hurt you. Heard the cliche, what you don't know can't hurt you? Honey, what you don't know is serious business. You better know your mushrooms. If you, amen? You can't just go out and gather mushrooms and make your own mushroom, slice them up for your steak in the wild. You better know which ones are poison and which ones are not, or you'll kill yourself. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. This is a true story, and I'll leave you with this. I want you intrigued about spiritual understanding, knowing things that pass knowledge. It's a true story told of a sole survivor of a light plane crash in the wilderness. 14-year-old boy, when he re- he's the only one his daddy and mama's dead, he regained consciousness realizing he was alone and the lone survivor. And he left the wrecked plane in panic, tried to walk out of the forest in the dead of winter. He was found by rescuers deep in the forest, dead from exposure. After a search of the plane, 
In a compartment in the tail section, rescuers found a survival kit with a thermal blanket, food, first aid kit, canned heat, waterproof matches, water, etc. If he had known that a survival kit was right there in the plane and he had opened it and applied it and sat right there, they would have found him and he'd have been rescued. But he did not know what was six foot from him when he woke up. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. For a lack of knowledge. And that's why it's hard to teach people who know it all. You can't teach a man who knows it all. Because he will not listen long enough to learn. And a vision don't make you in a position to be unteachable. A dream, a gift of the Spirit. No calling in your life is higher than the calling to be like Jesus Christ. And the prize of the high calling is that goal. And that's why Paul said, forgetting what's behind and reaching to what's before. I press toward he had a target, the mark for the prize of the high calling. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. In Jesus Christ. Whereby are given to us, will you stand to your feet please, are given to us exceeding great and precious promises. Everybody say top shelf again. This is above and beyond. This is above and this is beyond. Glory to God. Glory to God. This is above and beyond the promise of healing. The promise of help. This is above and beyond the promise of protection. The promise of provision. Come on. This is exceedingly great. This is exceedingly great and it's precious. Come on. It's above and beyond the ones that we embrace immediately. It's something way beyond that. Whereby are given us exceeding great and precious promises that that by these here's the come on are you with me today just in closing that by these you might be a partaker of the divine nature that means we become in character more like christ more like the father can you say man hallelujah that you and i might be able to partake of his divine nature in our own human nature and in spite of our own human nature Exceeding, great, and precious above all the other promises for our flesh and ourself and our good that God wants us to have. There's something beyond that. And Paul said, I'm after it. I'm after it. I'm after it. In fact, he said, it's beginning to operate in me because it's no more I that live. It's Christ that lives in me. Glory be to God. I'm not there yet. How about you? i got a long way to go. How about you? When I compare myself to other people, I'm doing pretty. Can I say dad gum? Dad gum. Because dad is okay. And gum's okay unless it's on the floor. Okay. Amen. I'm doing pretty dad gum good. But when I compare myself to Jesus, 
I got a long way to go. But God is still working on me. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 Let's just pray for a moment right here, right now. How many want to be seen and heard? Just seen and heard. Or how many want to be in subjection to the Holy Spirit and people to see Jesus in you? Hallelujah. And people to see Christ in you and in me. I want that. I don't always achieve that. And when I don't, I repent. But that's what I want. That's what I desire. I have spiritual ambition. I want to be all I can be for Christ, but I don't want to compete with anybody. I'm doing this morning what God called me to do. I'm in the place that God sent me. And I've been faithful for over 40 years. And God is still moving by His Spirit. And there are people in this room benefiting because that door is open. And there's families that are being touched because that door is still open. This pulpit is still filled. There's no church too small that God can't do something with it if everyone in it is surrendered to Him. And there's nothing too small to do with all our heart for our great King of glory. Can you say man? So when I preach here, I don't preach a little message to a little congregation because God is too big a God to do that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Did you get anything out of this message today? Hallelujah. What a day we've had. Would you join hands just for a moment? Father, bless this congregation. Bless us as we go out and help us, Lord, to do that work of an evangelist that you've called me to do and this people to do in the name of Jesus Christ and for the glory of God. Thank you for the word that's going to the nations. Thank you for the word that's going to states all over America. Thank you for the word that's going to other ministers' offices from 1993 and to inspire them. Hallelujah. To hold your standard high. Thank you, Lord. There's something beyond me and beyond us that's occurring. And it has to be through the anointing of the Holy Spirit today. Glory to your name. Thank you for the people in here that God is drawing and God is touching. There are people in here that the devil would have destroyed, but intercessory prayer put a hedge, stood in the gap and made up the hedge for you. And there you are today being drawn closer to the presence of God. Now let's give Him praise before we go home. Let's worship Him just for a moment. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.